This is Chris Martin, and me and my buddy Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Everything, host an NBA podcast called The Mismatch. They call it The Mismatch because I'm awesome and Kevin is a gigantic nerd. No, no, that's not why at all, Chris. They call it The Mismatch because I have a brain and you're a loudmouth bozo. Good grief. (laughs) Anyway, listen to our amazing NBA podcast, The Mismatch. Or don't. We really don't care. We're probably going to win a million awards either way. <laughs> Chris, we do care. So don't say that. Please subscribe and listen to The Mismatch only on Spotify. Did you really call me a bozo? <laughs> it's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. Take a shot at betting the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help. Dot com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All righty, let's roll, baby. Welcome in. Sunday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, J.J. Johnson-Stremski, right here on the Ringer Podcast Network. First and foremost, happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there, anybody's mom who's listening, any mom that's listening, period. We love you. God bless you. On and on we go. Happy Mother's Day to mom, my future mother-in-law, the whole deal. The whole deal. All right, now that we got that spiel out of the way, felt like... It had been an eternity since we have seen our baseball teams play. And don't get me started when it comes to the weather in the New York area. You want to talk about an out-and-out abomination? The fact that it was like 48 and rainy for 48 straight hours and the fact that we are like celebrating 55 super wind and no rain like it's a, like it's a wind, get me to the summer. Get me to shorts and T-shirt weather, for goodness sakes. Because the weather in April and early May is just flat out stunk if you live in the tri-state area. So the fact that we have not had our baseball teams in action now for a couple of days, it, it throws you for a loop. I mean, it really does throw you for a loop where you're like used to the idea of seeing your team day after day after day. And I had a feeling, especially from a Yankee perspective, that this layoff was going to mess with them a little bit. They didn't play Thursday, they didn't play Friday, they didn't play Saturday. So all things considered, I'm okay with the fact 
that the Yankees split this doubleheader with the Texas Rangers. I know Texas is not any good. Yeah, I'm going to be annoyed if they end up losing the series. But I'm okay, actually, that they found a way to split these two games. First game came down to nitty-gritty. And I can't also fathom a world in which I am, like, giving credit the way of Yankee manager Aaron Boone compared to our tone and our feel just a year ago. But Boone has done a good job with this team. I have to call it like I see it. And I thought he nailed it today in the way he handled Garrett Cole. You had three straight cancellations or two cancellations in an off day. You don't have an off day now until Memorial Day. You're playing day after day after day. Garrett Cole got stronger as the game went along. He has six shutout innings against the Texas Rangers. Good. It is nice to see. Aaron Boone pushed the envelope a little bit. And I wasn't even mad. I don't know if Yankee fans felt this way. I wasn't even mad with the idea that, hey, guess what? Cole gave up the home run to Calhoun. He tried to let his starter go 110-plus pitches. Get him through that seventh inning. That's the sort of managing I want to see. When it comes to your horse and your ace and the guys making north of $28, $29 million a year, let him go and pitch. He gets beat, he gets beat. Another terrific start for Cole. And the Yankee offense didn't do much. Hicks left a couple runners on base. Only had the one run going into the bottom half of the ninth inning. Gleyber Torres has had a knack for getting big hits in the Yankee uniform. That's been his MO since he's come up in 2018. Gleyber got off to a rough start this year. But you think about game-tying sacrifice fly on opening day, the walk-off double against the Cleveland Guardians, and on Sunday, going out for Taco and hitting a home run to go and give the Yankees the lead. Gleyber Torres has played well, all things considered. Got off to a really bad start over the first two weeks of the year. His defense has not been a problem at second base. He has sent the ball out of the ballpark recently, and he's had a lot of big hits. I didn't even mention the Blue Jay hit the other day. Blue Jay hit, Guardian hit, Red Sox hit, now this walk-off against Texas. So the positives from today, from a Yankee standpoint, Cole, really, really good. Glaber dialed in. Good field goal win right out of the gate. The negative, Michael King gets lit up in the second game. And the Yankees let what was a very good start from Jordan Montgomery go right down the drain. Listen, King, the guy has been unhittable for a month plus. Sooner or later, he was going to have one of these outings. I don't care who you are. I don't care how good a reliever you might be. You're not immune to this sort of stuff. Mariano Rivera, for goodness sakes, was not immune to this sort of stuff. You'd have his fair share of bluffs every now and again. It happens. Tough to King Michael King. Tough to kill Michael King. My issue, though, Yankees better get the bats going. All right, you want to tell me it's windy, it's cold, you haven't played in three days? Fine. They didn't have good at bats in the two games of this doubleheader. Outside of Stanton, outside of Gleyber Torres, Rizzo had one or two good at bats. For the most part, the bats were completely dead. So Yankee offense is going to have to step it up. Monday, and then they got the Toronto Blue Jays coming to town Tuesday and Wednesday. So win the series, they shuffle the rotation a little bit. And one more note before we get to the Mets. Chris Woodward, the manager of the Texas Rangers, bellyaching 
about the dimensions at Yankee Stadium and calling the Glaber Torres home run a Little League home run? Take a freaking lap with that shit, man. That is such a lame, tired, pathetic, sad narrative. It's pathetic. The park, if I'm not mistaken, plays fair for both sides, does it not? In fact, the Texas hit a home run in the second game of the doubleheader. That was cheaper than Glaber Torres is. I hate when I hear that. It actually really rubs me the wrong way. And I'm not trying to tell you that 314 down the line is favorable from a pitching standpoint. It's not. What I am telling you is it's not a one-sided affair when you're playing a baseball ballpark, folks. You get nine chances at that short porch, just like the Yankees. Get eight or nine chances at that short porch. Do something with it. Don't ever use the dimensions and the excuses of a field and bellyache about the result of a game. Please. That's a joke. So I haven't heard Chris Woodward after the second game. I don't want to hear Chris Woodward after the second game. I couldn't give a rat's ass what he had to say. But if I were one of the reporters for Texas, I'd be like, oh, so what do you what do you, what do you think about the uh the little league home run that one of your players had? Like, like just dude. <laughs> you lost the game. You scored one run. The Yankees, second game. They lost, they scored two runs. Leave it at that. Just leave it at that. Excuse making, it's just, it's lame, folks. It's flat out lame. So I heard that. That rubbed me the wrong way. Now, Mets, they split the two games in Philadelphia. And Scherzer was due for a game where he didn't have his best stuff. This was a game where Scherzer did not have his best stuff. He gives up basically 10 hits. He, it felt like he was in trouble every single inning. Going up against those Philly batters. But this is what you love so much about Scherzer. Scherzer on a day where he's got C-minus, D-plus stuff, still is able to go and compete and give you a legitimate chance to go and win the game. He gives up 10 hits, but yet he still is giving you six innings. He's still striking out seven. He's not walking anybody, and he battles. That's the sort of stuff in a doubleheader that means something. It matters. And the Mets did not have great at-bats in the first game of the doubleheader. Dom Smith had a golden opportunity. He doesn't get it done. Uh, McCann left a couple of runners on base, even though he hit the ball hard. He deserved to lose the game. But, like, you're playing two games. You see Scherzer battling his tail off like that. Other pitchers are going to be motivated by that. Your lineup has a chance to maybe do something. They didn't in game one against the Philly bullpen. It's like a shock, to be honest with you that the Philly bullpen was actually able to go and get some big outs, whether it was Dominguez, Alvarado, who always seems to pitch well against the Mets, and then Canable closing out the game. The second game, though, the story is twofold. One, Chris Bassett continues to pitch at a very, very, very high level for the New York Mets. It's 4-2 and two with a 2.45 ERA. feel like anytime Bassett's on a mound, you're getting a real high-quality start. You got that again today. Five and two-thirds of one-run baseball. Going to take that any day of the week, especially against a good-hitting team. The other narrative that was working in the Mets' favor today, Pete Alonso, beast mode in that second game. Goes three for five, drives in five, hitting balls out of the ballpark, not once but twice. When other guys are slumping within this lineup, you want to see other guys picking each other up. 
Like Lindor has gone into a little bit of a funk. It was bound to happen. Got off to a real hot start. He's cooled off. You want other guys picking up the slack. Escobar, who was red hot early in the year, he's gone into a funk. But McNeil has stayed hot. Marte's gotten it going a little bit. Nimmo, Canna, they feel like they've been in the middle of everything. And Alonzo's doing his part and hit bombs. You take two out of three. It's another series victory for the New York Mets against the team within the division. And you look now at the National League East. It's, you know, a month and change in. You're 20 and 10. You're six up on Atlanta. You're seven up on Philadelphia. Now, the Mets had a comfortable lead in the division last year, but they weren't as good as they are this year. And they're also getting a guy by the name of Jacob DeGrom back. So, good weekend for the Mets. All in all, they did not lose the momentum the way I see it from their feel-good, fired-up win on Thursday night, which might be their comeback of the year, and good shape. Now you get the Nationals for three straight games who are a bad baseball team. You're 20 and 10, they're 10 and 20. Minimum, you expect them to go and win another series. That's been the theme for the Mets. Series win after series win after series win. So, got a bone to pick with the voicemails tonight. I'm only taking one. A lot of lame voicemails. Like, like unusable voicemails. Now, I didn't listen to them. I did not. I, I, I don't listen to voicemails. I want to be surprised. But you guys got to step the shit up. Or I'm not going to play them. It's as simple as that. If they're not good, I'm not going to play them. So, on Thursday, we're doing a live show on Tuesday. On Thursday, you better bring it with the voicemails. I'm not just, we don't put on quantity, right? Like, I'm not going to put a bunch on and say, eh, I'm putting them on. It got to be better, folks. Got to be better. So for Thursday, get the voicemails at a level that is up to the New York, New York standard, would you please? 917-382-1151. We do have one on the baseball, though. Let's hear it. Hey, JJ. It's Mars from Brooklyn. I'm here at the stadium right now. Post Glaber Torres walk-off home run. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous first uh First side of half double header. Derek Cole goes six innings, and I, I love that Boone kept him in. Great job by Boone the whole entire damn time. And Labor's finally coming alive, baby. Finally coming alive. Love it. I love it too, Mark. And this is what Yankee fans have wanted to see for the last two years. Maybe it's the comfort level at second base. I like the fact that Aaron Boone has challenged Glaber Torres. He benched him on opening day. He has made him earning his way back into the lineup on a regular basis. That's a good thing, the way I see it. That's a good thing. This competition now, LeMayu, Donaldson, you got to earn it bats. There's no complacency from Gleyber Torres. He's the king of the walk-off. I mean, my goodness, how many walk-off hits has Gleyber Torres had for the Yankees? Feels like quite a few over these last couple of years. And he now has... Two to speak of this year with a few more game winners and game tying hits mixed in. So go win a series tomorrow. That's my advice to the Yankees. Don't put me in a sour mood when I'm going to Yankee Stadium on Tuesday to watch Severino and then go watch the Toronto Blue Jays. Go win another series. Bottom line. Afternoon game, 1 o'clock. Weather's going to be a little nicer. Go win an afternoon game. We're going to have Molly Walker in a moment who does a fabulous job covering the Rangers for the New York Post. And we did Spotify Live. If you missed it last night, you lost. We had a ton of fun. It wasn't a ton of fun for the New York Rangers. That was the ultimate tease. I mean, my goodness. That was, you know what that was the equivalent of? Going up to a lady at the bar. Attractive lady at the bar. Getting shut down. But then, I don't know, 20 minutes later, she calls you over to the table to schmooze for a bit. 
you're schmoozing, you're all excited, you think you got a chance to make something of your night. And then within a half hour of that, you are shot down, sent home. She's heading back with the Rangers. That was the Rangers and the Penguins in game three. Because at 4-1 down, you're thinking, eh, there's no shot. Igor Shosturkin is pulled. The Penguins are peppering nets left and right. Their crowd is going nuts. But then you're suckered back in in that second period. Three unanswered goals. Panarin doing his thing. Cops scoring shorthanded. And you're like, let's win this thing in the third period. Here's the problem. They had two power play opportunities early in that third period. And they couldn't get one home. And when you fight as hard as the Rangers fought to get back in that game, you got to score and get the lead. Because if the other team goes and scores, it's, it's deflating. And what I think you saw was a very deflated group after the Penguins took that 5-4 to four lead. And look, the Penguins are not going away in this series. They're a battle-tested team. They have survived the fact that they're down to a third-string goaltender. Crosby playing out of his mind. And they're battle-tested. The Rangers are not. I am curious to see how Shesterkin is going to respond in Game 4. He's going to win the Vesna. He's the best goalie in the NHL. But this is his first run in the postseason. So he got humbled. got pulled. Deserved to get pulled. Game 4 now, all the pressure in the world's on the Rangers. The Rangers are going to win this series, folks. They need to win on Monday night. It's as simple as that. They will not win this series. You can save the audio. You can have some fun with this if you'd like, Stefan. They will not win this series if they got to go and win three straight games. I don't see it. Even if two of those games are going to be at home, the experienced nature of Pittsburgh, I can't see Pittsburgh with all that battle-tested grittiness, all those playoff games they've played, the Latangs, the Malkins, the Crosbys of the world, not losing three straight. So you got to get them. And I think that means you need a big-time effort out of Igor. And if there are concerns from a Ranger perspective, it's one Zibanejad who has been a non-factor in this series, and he needs to get going. He's too important for the Rangers. They can't survive without him. The other thing is the, 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 the defections and the injuries on defense, problematic. Problematic against a team as explosive as Pittsburgh. Big game four for the Rangers. They better be up for the challenge. They're going to win this series. They better be winning on Monday night. All right, we'll get some sense and some feel of confidence, of despair, or none of the above. Molly Walker. New York Post, Rangers extraordinaire. She joins us next. Jedi are being murdered. On June 4th, Star Wars returns only on Disney+. Plus. I didn't do it. Believe me. She was my student. Let me be the one to bring her in. Now she is a student of the dark side. An acolyte. Star Wars The Acolyte, two-episode premiere June 4th, only on Disney+. Plus. This summer, click into cordless power with Memorial Day savings at The Home Depot. Tackle more than half an acre of grass with the convenience and gas-like power of the Ryobi 40-volt battery-powered mower. And keep your flower beds fresh with the 40-volt cordless string trimmer. Then clear debris with the 40-volt jet fan leaf blower. 
Click into Memorial Day savings happening now at your cordless power source. The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Game four coming up for the New York Rangers and a little adversity down two games to one. little tease in game three and... Our next guest has been all over the map. She's on Bruce Beck. She's got her own podcast. She's doing a exemplary job for the New York Post. Molly Walker, what's up, Molly? What's happening? Not much. Thanks for having me. You know, the Rangers were in like first and second place this season, and you didn't have me on once. Well, listen, <laughs> we 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 have a lot. We had a lockout in baseball. No, you no, know, I don't want to hear it. So I'm not giving up. Hey, bottom line is we're doing live shows all week when the Rangers are playing playoff games. So right. we have we have we have shown up fashionably late to the party. Is that fair? Very fashionably late. But, but you know right, what? Though? I'm at the party, you. though. That's all that matters. Right? <laughs> Molly, I'm there. I'm on the list. Took I'm rocking. I'm enough. dancing. Let's go. <laughs> hey, I am here. Okay. Speaking of taking you long enough, yesterday with the Rangers, <laughs> explain to me that first period. Was it just bad luck? Was it just right place, right time for the Pittsburgh Penguins? After winning game two, super impressive last 10, 15 minutes of the third period. What was the biggest issue, in your opinion, in that first period? I mean, it's just been the effort, really. It's the 60-minute effort is something that they've been referencing for through the first three games. Its first period on Tuesday was the best period of hockey I think I've seen the Rangers play all season. And then you got the first period on Saturday, and it was probably one of the worst periods the Rangers have played all season. So it's it's been a little bit of a consistency issue. But I think a lot of it is because of the experience disparity. You know, it was their first road period in the playoffs. A lot of those guys have never experienced what it's like to come into a building on the road in the playoffs. The atmosphere, the intensity. I mean, PPG Paints Arena was deafening. And they were taunting Igor. They were loud. And the Penguins were feeding off of it. And yeah, you could argue wrong place. Wrong place for the Rangers, right place for the for the Penguins, but it was just a consistency thing. But they put it together in the second period, and and they were able to come all the way back. So it's definitely positive to take. Okay, away from that. so they pull Igor after the first period. Right, I've seen coaches do this plenty of times, and it usually sparks a team. Were you guys gals talking about that after the first period, like they're going to pull him, or were you surprised? Uh, no, I don't know if I was surprised. I also wouldn't have been surprised if they kept him in, though, just because of what he's been to this team this season. But, you know, when the Rangers are are like that and and the op- opponents are running the score up, it's just unfair to keep Igor in net, just considering how what he's been to them this season and, and to let his numbers inflate like that. It, it's just almost a respect thing. They're not going to let that happen. And in a way, it does send a message to the rest of the lineup, like, you better wake up. And it totally worked this time around. No doubt about it. And the team played great in the second period. Great. They fight back. They tie the game. Molly, I kind of like giving you a basketball <laughs> reference here. I don't know if yeah. you feel this way when it comes to hockey. When yeah. you're down three goals yeah. and you got to like scratch and you got to claw and you got to fight just to get back in the game. I almost feel like in basketball, you're down 20. You got to get up by four or five to hit that point of no return. That was the Rangers getting that go-ahead goal. So they did a hell of a job fighting back in the second period. Right. But they have those two power plays. They don't score. Then Pittsburgh scores. And it's like they exuded all this energy to get back in the game. 
felt like in the last 10 minutes, they had absolutely nothing left. Yeah, I mean, you're gassed at the, the energy that it must take out of them to claw all the way back like that and the emotional toll that it takes. It's not easy. It's not easy at all. And it, it, the, yeah, like you said, the, the third period after they had the go-ahead goal, it just, it's, it's, it's deflating. It's very, very deflating. And that kind of unfolded on the ice for the Rangers and hence the two empty net goals. You know, it, it wasn't, it, it was, they're definitely going to want to turn the page as quickly as possible from this one and uh, focus on game four because it's obviously really, really important. They don't want to go back to New York with their backs against the wall. Well, I'll say you don't have to. If they lose game four, they're not winning this series because yeah. they're not experienced enough. I don't think they're winning three straight games in this series. They're going to bring this home. They got to win game four. And that brings me back to Igor. He's going to win the Vesna. He was mm-hmm. a badass all year, <laughs> but he gets pulled. Right. They're chanting his name and not in a celebratory way. <laughs> no. They're giving him the business. Yeah. They're letting him hear it a little bit. Yep. Your concern level, if any, for Igor now, maybe going into the biggest game he's ever played, hostile environment. Mm-hmm. How do you think he responds after game three? No concern at all. I think that's what he's done all season long for them. I, there have been very few situations where he's lost back-to-back games. It's just something that he doesn't do. And I feel like he now knows what to expect going into PPG Paints Arena tomorrow. I think he knows what it's going to be like, and I don't think he's going to let it rattle him as much as he did in the first period um, on Saturday. I think that I think that's been a big part for this Rangers entire lineup in general is just getting the experience and and feeling it out. Like Justin Braun today was talking about how he felt in his first game, and it's a shock. It really is. It's such a everybody talks about it. All the NHLers talk about it. The disparity between the regular season and the playoffs. Everything is heightened in the playoffs. Every mistake the feeling of letting your team down. And if you look at the Rangers lineup, the amount of 20-year-olds, 19-year-olds that they have that are in their first playoff games because the 2020 bubble does not count. And even and they're the key guys that are getting their first playoff experience, Adam Fox, Ryan Lindgren, these guys have, they've never gotten to experience what a real postseason atmosphere is like. The difference between playing in front of an empty building compared to what, the Penguins arena was on Saturday. I mean, it was deafening in there and it definitely plays a big part into it. And it's just something that they need to settle down into. Not that, not let the lows get too low. And that's going to be the key for the Rangers. All right. You mentioned me getting late to the hockey party. This cop (laughs) is unbelievable. (laughs) He's unbelievable. And listen, I'm not dialed into the NHL trade deadline. I leave that for you folks, Molly. That's your expertise. (laughs) I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. This guy is making things happen like crazy, though. Did you expect him to come in and be this sort of difference maker for the Rangers? You mentioned their like lack of playoff experience as a whole, and I'm right there with you. 2020 bubble means nothing to me. I, I couldn't care less about that. It's not the same. It's a, It's just not the same grind. Did you expect this from Cop immediately? I mean, he's he's in a contract year, so that that by itself is an extra motivation. Always. Oh, and, yeah. yeah, and he has upped his price tag tremendously. Um, I think that it could go one of two ways for players like that. You know, especially coming to a place like New York where the stage is is very big and, and different than when he was coming in Winnipeg, you know, the market difference. So it could have gone one or two ways for him and it has obviously gone in the in the positive direction and, and he's been crucial for them. But just on the scoring front, uh he scored in all three games already. 
So he's been crucial for them. And I don't think anybody could have said they expected him to have this kind of impact. He was a bottom six guy in Winnipeg and he's in a top six role in New York. And granted, you're playing next to Artemi Panarin. That always helps a little bit for sure. So I think that he has been a really great ad- addition to that second line. Okay, Molly. Yeah. Bigger concern <laughs> going to game four for the Rangers. Yeah. Is it the defense and the injuries and the issues they've had on that side of the ice? Or is it the lack of a presence from Mika Zibanejad? Mm. And I know that was a soft goal. I don't know what he was doing. I mean, I'm watching that. I'm like, dude, you got to you gotta be stronger with the puck. And he needs to show up in this series, I think, if the Rangers are going to win. What are you more concerned about? Their defense and the way they've looked or Mika and the way he's looked? I think my biggest concern is the mental aspect for them. I Really, like I said, they just can't let the highs get too high, the lows get too low. But when your point about Mika Zibanejad, it's a really interesting situation with that top line. They've drawn a bulk of the matchups against Sidney Crosby, Gensel, and Rust. And that's a lofty, lofty task. It is You have to be just as strong defensively as you are offensively. And it's kind of nullified their offensive contributions. They're so worried about, and rightfully so, you have to be. They're so worried about containing Crosby and being in the right defensive position that it's taking away their offensive contributions. And that's been a huge key for Pittsburgh, the fact that they've been able to do that. They're taking that top line, which has been so... I mean, the Rangers lineup in general is so top-heavy in general. So I I think it's just nullified that top line because they're constantly on the ice against Crosby and and, and uh, and that top line. And they're lethal. Let me tell you, Sidney Crosby... Looks like he got into a time machine and got on the ice, and it's the 24-year-old that we saw terrorize the NHL for years. He looks like vintage Sid the Kid, and that is huge for Pittsburgh. And that's been a, a real knife in the back for the Rangers, and it's something that they have to consciously be aware of all the time. Every time that top line gets on the ice, it's a different dynamic. They have to worry about them so much, and it's taking away from Mika Zibanejad's game, and it's 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 it hurts them a lot. It definitely does, but it'll be up to that line to you know fight through it and start contributing offensively because the Rangers need it. Okay, I'm glad that you brought up Crosby because yeah. anytime I'm on Twitter during one of these games, which is a big mistake, might I add, Molly. I know you have to do it for work. For me, it's like the worst thing I could possibly do because yeah, you have nonstop Ranger fans just belly aching about the refs. I mean, yeah. you give me the game, I you know. give me the series, you give me the moment, you're probably getting the tweets. Oh, I see yeah. them all over the place. <laughs> Don't the Ranger fans have to understand, like, Michael Jordan got calls. LeBron James got calls. Derek Jeter got calls. Like, Sidney Crosby <laughs> and the gonna Penguins, get calls. Yeah. they're one of those teams that's just flat out going to get calls. Right. Accept it. Deal with it. You know it's going to be a part of the series. I'm not saying you have to like it. Right. But, I mean, the nonstop bellyaching on Twitter, it's insufferable, Molly. <laughs> no, you're not wrong. But, I, you know, I, I do feel for the Rangers fan base because of, the amount of controversial calls that have come through three games. I mean, there's been so many, you know, the goal, the cat, the Filipino disallowed goal in the third period, uh, the Patrick Nemeth. I mean, that was Nemeth's fault in the first period on Saturday. He backed up into Shesterkin and who knows what he was doing in the positioning there, but the controversial calls have just been in abundance and they've had an impact on the game. So if you put yourself in the Rangers fans' shoes, you, you can't help it. You know, you got to understand why they're so upset. But yes, 
And also, you know, there is something to the fact that Crosby can draw a lot of calls, but he never gets called for the penalties. That's the other thing. You know, he can, you know, he'll throw a couple slashes every once in a while, but he's also so smart and he knows when he can do it and when he can get away with it. So it's, it's difficult for Ranger fans. I can imagine is watching that, watching him get every call, but not getting the calls on him. So I do get it because that is the thing. That is absolutely the thing. Everybody knows that Crosby isn't going to get the same type of, uh, you know, attention from the refs that most other players are. So I get the frustration. I feel for them. I really do just because of how many controversial calls there have been. But yeah, like you said, there's really nothing that can be done about it. <laughs> okay, Molly, I'm on FanDuel right now. They're a sponsor <laughs> of New York, New York, and I am seeing the New York Rangers at plus 152 to win this series now against Pittsburgh. Now, Pittsburgh was a slight underdog going in. I don't know how much you monitor this stuff. It's not your job. I love it. I do it. I can't get enough of it. As you know, (laughs) plus 152. If I'm going to fire on that now on the Rangers and they're going to win this series, tell me what's going to be different for the Rangers than what we've seen in the first three games. Like what has to happen for the Rangers if they're going to turn this around and win this series? Well, number one is they're going to have they they've gotten progressively better against that Crosby line. Game three, they had their best game against that Crosby line. I think they only had two two scoring chances, and then Gensel had the one empty netter. So uh, before that, I'm pretty sure that line had like five of their six goals, which is absurd. So that's a number one key is they need to nullify that line. They need to contain it as best as they can, but they need to. I really do think it's a mental thing for this Rangers team because they have the tools. They have what it takes to beat Pittsburgh, especially when they have a third string netminder in Louis, in Louis Domingue and net. They should be able to exploit that. Granted, Domingue did have a very good game in game three. He was spectacular. That in my third eyes. period, Molly, they he were firing, man. He, he really, had some big saves. He did. And it really pissed me off that a lot of Rangers fans wouldn't give credit where it was due because he really stood tall for them and that's like those were not job. easy saves no, right like those look like all. they were difficult saves in not that third at period. All. The, the rangers power play has been tremendous all season long it's one of the best in the nhl and he was a huge part in standing up to them but yes the rangers should be able to exploit the fact that there is a third string netminder and net that being said i do that that goes back to it being a mental thing i think they need to get over the hump of the mental aspect of going up against Crosby and the 16 consecutive playoffs appearances and, and all that shebang that, that comes with playing Pittsburgh in the postseason. It's a young, young Rangers team with very little experience and they need to lean on the guys that do have experience and just even keeled play their game because when they are on their game, when they're, you know, the hard hits, the hard four check playing fast, that's when they're at their best, and that's when they can go more more than toe to toe with Pittsburgh. So I really just think that the Rangers need to, you know, get over the mental aspect of their situation and play to their strengths. Final one: What grade are we giving Judge DJ Lemayu and Rizzo for oh. their, their <laughs> chug performance the other night? I mean, listen, I love it. I love seeing the New York athletes <laughs> support too. one another. It's Me super too. cool. I get geeked out by that shit. At the too. same time, though, Molly, can we get them a full beer? I know they're pricey in <laughs> Madison Square Garden, and that's cheap. I know that. Well, let's get them a full beer the next time they're going to be on for a chug, okay? I agree. I agree. And, you know, in terms of grades, you know, I think Rizzo and, and Judge DJ kind of looked like he struggled a little bit. 
I don't know what was more of a struggle, that or watching DJ LeMayu leave Madison Square Garden through like this. I don't know if you saw this video. No, There's like I a didn't. swarm of him taking like 10 zillion selfies Aww. with people just walk, just like literally walking out the main gate, you know, Aww, not going so through nice. some private security entrance. And <laughs> DJ definitely looked a little uncomfortable, but a yeah. man of people. I give him a B, B minus. That's my grade. Yeah, I'd say, yeah, Judge Rizzo did pretty. DJ looked a little uncomfortable during the during the chug, but I, yeah, I'm right there with you. I absolutely live for when the New York sports teams, uh, you know, intersect and, and the athletes go to each other. I mean, last season with the Jets, and and Dan Feeney with the Islanders. I mean, those were some. Those were some. Oh, that, those epic. guys, I'm almost putting it with different pedestal. Oh, they're monsters, Molly. Oh, they're Dan Feeney it down like there's no tomorrow. Crushing the beer can on his head in the Coliseum. I just hear in the way that the Coliseum react. Oh, it's epic. I loved it. Loved every minute of it. <laughs> well, you enjoy the wonderful city of Pittsburgh. I hope yeah. it treats you well. I know it's maybe. Maybe Tampa or somewhere more exotic will be on the horizon for you if the Rangers advance. But uh. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like there were definitely a couple of watering holes I stumbled into a long, long time ago in a galaxy far away. Enjoy it. Appreciate a couple of minutes and we'll chat soon, okay? For sure. Thanks for having me. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Good stuff there with Molly. Now, before we hit Jeff Money, Mother's Day dining experience from hell. Now, you guys are going to have to let me know what the cutoff point is. And remember, I am going out to dinner with my significant other, my fiance, her family, lovely family. Five o'clock dinner reservation. And I'm like, okay, I'm set up. I got the Yankee game going. I saw the Glaber home run. They had it on. Met games going, uh, basketball, brothers watching on a phone. So I was like dialed in as well as I could be from a sports standpoint. So I was happy there. What I wasn't happy about, though, is that we sit down for a 5 o'clock dinner. All right, 5, 10, 5, 15. I'm waiting two and a half freaking hours for a veal marsala. That is unacceptable. Now, I guess the question that I'm posing to the audience that I would love to have an answer for for our next podcast on Thursday. If you want to chime in on Spotify Live, you could do that on Tuesday. When is the moment we should have walked out of the restaurant? Now, there were a lot of angry folks at this restaurant. And I'm not even going to name the place. I, I, I kind of want to because I want to embarrass them and I want to put them on blast, but I'm not, I'm not even going to name the place. All I can tell you is the Vilmar Sala was not as good as it should have been. Considering I waited two and a half hours for it. Like, when do you get to the point where you just walk out? And I want to hear the excuse. It's Mother's Day. We should. No, 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 no. You want to tell me, hey, takes maybe an extra 15 to 20 minutes. We're short staffed. It's a busy day. All right. You could sell me on that. Even an extra, even an extra half hour. You could sell me on that. You cannot sell me on sitting down at 515 and getting an entree at 8 o'clock. And I, I, I do believe that's grounds for never going to that restaurant ever again, right? And by the way, they didn't knock off anything off the bill. They didn't give out anything for free. No free appetizer, free dinner. You know, uh, next time you come in, we'll take care of you. No, none of that. 
I mean, their, their excuse, not even for me, because I got to work. I do a podcast. I have to do television later today. Is they go and bring over a lame gla- glass of sangria? Like that solves waiting two and a half hours. What they do? Yeah, wait two and a half hours. Oh, but here's here's a glass of sangria to shut up. Embarrassing, embarrassing. We'll see if over the course of time this restaurant is going to be named on this podcast. I'm not going to do it because right now I'm thinking I'm going to just bite my tongue. But it was a particular restaurant, Italian restaurant, in a borough. That, let me tell you, all-time bad dining experience. Stefan, is it fair to say we should have said something an hour plus into the meal? Like, when is the when is the cutoff there where you think about walking out? Uh, personally, I'm not going to lie. So something similar to this happened to me when I was in Houston. Like, uh, we were at an uh, establishment and the waitresses, they just, like, did whatever. Like, they didn't. I went to the bar, ordered, like, six drinks, like, Three bears and like three drinks. My sisters, girl, everybody. Bartender never responded to me, so I said, "All right." I stood there, waited for about fifteen minutes. I just left. I'm like, "All right, she's not trying to charge me. That's not my loss." We sat at the table, ordered food. Food never came. I feel like you got like, I feel like an hour is like being courteous. An hour and a half is like pushing it. If you yeah, don't get that's anything what I'm thinking. after an hour and a half, you got to get out of now, here. Now, here's the issue for me, Stefan. This is yeah. not my. Kit and caboodle. I did not make the reservations. I am not running point. You know, this is not like me and the guys or me and the guys and a couple of the wives going out for a meal. You know, I'm going to be much more deferential in a family situation like that where I'm not going to be the ringleader to say, hey, we got to act here. We got to do something here. But I was getting uneasy. What I really got a kick out of Stefan is like, I thought I was kind of like nice about it. Like I was not as angry as I am right now on the podcast. Cause I was like, and what am I going to do here? And then I see people at the restaurant. I've been, you know, working in restaurants for 30 years. This is the worst service I've ever seen in my life. Like when I hear that and I see that it, it gave me a sense of vindication, if that makes sense. So I wasn't yeah, the only one. It, it lets you know, like, all right, I'm not the crazy person here. Everybody else feels the same way. And like, Bro, it's Mother's Day. Like, imagine you taking, like, you, you know what I mean? Luckily, it wasn't your mom. Like, imagine you bringing your mom out of her house. She put on a nice dress. She's got on her shoes. She's feeling good. in three hours for a dinner? Bro, oh, so embarrassing. Let me tell yeah, you. Now, I, I can, I can tell you, Stefan, that Mama Jastrzemski was down at State College for picking up my little sister, finishing up her junior year. Uh, the Jastrzemskis would have been given this restaurant the business. I can I, I, I can guarantee you that. It, it would not have been a pleasant sight for them if Mama and Papa Jastrzemski made their way to dinner tonight. That's all I'm going to exactly. say. Exactly. And then dad, dad has to step up at this point. You guys are just, it's just going to be a bad situation. But yeah, I don't know, man. That restaurant, they got to do better. Stefan, That's here's all, all I say. can say. Our experience on Tuesday at the bodega or at any of the Yankee Stadium concessions will not be worse than what I experienced today on Sunday. So that is good news for us moving forward. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And Severino on the mound, Stefan and I will be at Yankee Stadium. And yes, Spotify Live whenever I get back. I may be a couple cocktails deep, but it will be an entertaining Spotify Live to say the least, you know? Before we go, Jeff Money, the floor is yours. Uh, I had a great Saturday. Sunday, mm, we got some work to do. It's going to depend on what the Miami Heat do in the second half of this game. But the floor is yours, my friend. What are we looking at for Monday? 
What's up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks. This will be for tomorrow, Monday the 9th. We've got uh, two NBA plays. I'm going to start off. I'm going to go with my money play with the Golden State Warriors, minus the eight and a half over the Grizzlies. And game number two, I'm going to take the Boston Celtics, plus the one over the Bucks. Again, I'm going to go with the Warriors, minus the eight and a half. I'm going to go with the Celtics, plus the one. Let's see if we got some family plays. Okay, JJ, as everyone can always follow all my plays on Twitter, at Jeff Money. Okay, I'm out of here, JJ. Let's go. Let's go, Money. Look, no John Morant. And I, I didn't hear Steve Kerr lecturing about code uh, when John Morant's taking a cheap shot in game three. I, I, I didn't hear any of that from the Warrior head coach. And he's out game four. And look, the Warriors are just a much better team. They're a much better team. I fully expect them to win this series. I fully expect them to get the job done. But no, no, no references of code uh, that I noticed from Mr. Kerr. And the Grizzlies were pissed off, as they should be. I mean, I, 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 it's tough to make a case that I'm going to take Memphis plus 10.5 without Morant. I know they've won without Morant. I know they've been spunky without Morant. You tell me they're going in that building and winning the game? No way. Point spread might be a little overjuiced, but I'm not touching it. I am riding the Celtics with you. I think the Celtics will respond. The Celtics came firing back in that fourth quarter. They got the short end of the whistle. I don't think there's any question about it. And I think Tatum is going to be much better. How bad was Tatum in game three? I mean, if they get 60% of what Jason Tatum normally is, they go and win that game easily against Milwaukee. And that's with Giannis being a total beast. That's with Holiday doing his thing. Connaughton, it felt like hit every big shot. Except for a couple he missed down the stretch, but he had so many big, big threes for Milwaukee. I think we got a seven-game series on our hands. I really do. I think Boston is going to respond. I think we're going to have a split in the next two. And the NBA is going to be looking for some drama in that second round. They might have a little now with Phoenix and Dallas. As Dallas is very live and very dangerous, I still don't think they're going to win this series. But at 2-2, hey, take a day to dream. You won't have that drama with Golden State and Memphis. I think this series is basically cooked. And a seven-gamer with Boston and Milwaukee would be fabulous. And I think we will have that sort of intrigue. Sign me up right now. So I'll ride the Celtics with you. I'll take them plus the point. This week, Spotify Live Tuesday. And then Thursday, I'm super stoked for the NFL schedule. I know I, people, people might mock me for this, and, and that's fine if you do. I love the NFL schedule release. I think it's fabulous. It's fabulous. I get geeked out about road trips. Thursday, we're going to give you the top five games to look forward to the most from a Jet perspective and a Giant perspective. In fact, voicemails, which need to be brought to a higher level because we don't like what we got today. They just went not up to the New York, New York standard. One was good, but we need, we need better voicemails. I'm not going to put them on the show if they're not good. That's the way we roll. Stefan holds them to a high standard, so do I. Top five games you're looking forward to the most from a New York football perspective. Actually, you're not going to give me five. Give me the game. Give me the game you're looking forward to the most from a New York football perspective. I'll give you my top five for the Jets and the Giants. How do you do that? 917-382-1151. And make sure they're up to standard and up to quality. I'm holding you to that. 917-382-1151. Fun shot. Gore Stefan, we are back. Spotify Live Tuesday, right after a little baseball. We'll see how game four plays out with the Rangers and the 
Penguins. I might hop on. I might not. We'll see. If it's a crazy game, I'll probably hop on. If it's a nondescript game, I won't. Something to consider, something to think about. A little Monday, Tuesday action there. Thursday, schedule release. Game you're looking forward to the most. Get it in on the voicemail line ASAP. You know what to do. 917-382-1151. We out. Gorge, Stefan, JJ out. Be good, everybody. <laughs>